0: Out of all the emojis, I'm definitely (coughs) in the poop.
1: to Sisteria, a podcast about women and non-binary creatives and their experiences as creators and consumers of arts and culture. I'm producer Jessica Lucchiano. In this episode, our hosts Stephanie Van Schilt and Ronnie Sullivan were joined by the amazing Leah Jing. Leah is a writer and photographer from Melbourne and holds a very special place in the heart of the Sisteria team thanks to her awesome work on our photographs on the Sisteria website. In 2016, she founded Limited. Magazine, an online space for the interrogation and exploration of the Asian-Australian identity, publishing long-form interviews and art. Leah is the recipient of a Wheeler Centre Hot Desk Fellowship and was selected for the Emerging Cultural Leaders Program at Footscray Community Arts Centre. She co-curates Comic Sands, a contemporary serialised Australian comics anthology founded with artist Rachel Ang and is guest editing the fourth issue of Penciled In. Ronnie, Steph, and Leah joined in conversation to discuss the importance of authenticity behind portrait photography, Asian-Australian cultural representation, and how to avoid burnout as a young creative. They started off by celebrating Leah's recent nomination for the Young Australian of the Year.
0: We're in the presence of greatness, which isn't completely wrong. <laughs>
1: Can we talk about the Young Australian of the
0: Year, Victoria?
2: Yeah,
0: Woo! Woo! nominee. Yay.
2: The title is You Were a Young Australian of the Year Nominee. 2018?
3: Yeah, 19. 2019? I oh know. We're in living, the future. Whoa. I'm living in the future. We're all in 2018, in 2018. You're, you're in 2019. Years, so I'm old
0: be- in 2018. How does it feel to be young in 2019?
3: <laughs> it feels fucking great. Yeah? I'm feeling radiant. I did not win the nomination. Which you were nominated.
0: Like- <laughs> you were nominated though. I was. Yeah. I was. I was
3: nominated by my housemate. Oh, bless. And I thought it was a joke. Like She messaged me and was like, ha going to nominate you for Young Australian of the Year. And I was like, ha ha, hilarious, lol. And then a few months later, I got this phone call being like, hi, <laughs> you've been nominated. And I was like, no, what? Is this a prank?
2: But that's so great because you need someone else to put you forward for those kinds of things. You know, imposter syndrome, you never feel like am I the person who is right for this? Not and yet. you need a champion in the form of a friend or like whoever it might be who can identify that and say, yes, you are exactly that. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to make you do this.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what I'm constantly doing with everyone else in my life. I'm like, you should enter this thing. Well, you, you champion so
2: many writers, artists, like amazing, amazing creative people. And it, yeah, it has to come back around at some point.
3: Yeah, through my overzealous housemate. Holly, I love you.
2: <laughs> and so you got to go to a fancy ceremony. It was
3: so fancy. It was so fancy. It was in government house. Yeah.
2: And I you wore, found the right outfit.
3: I found the right outfit. I wore heels. Oh my god. I got oh. my oh. hair done. I got my hair done by the most fabulous man. But he was wearing a, a kimono over a chongsam. Wow. And he was That's a white a, a white man. <laughs> oh <laughs> and I was like, this is truly a hostage situation. I cannot say a
2: single thing. So you were, you didn't say it, you didn't say this man is anything? Doing my hair. Oh. Yeah, he's got a lot of power. Yeah, he, he could is, do the back really badly yeah. and you wouldn't know. He would have given me, like, <laughs> I, don't,
3: I don't even <laughs> know.
2: Like, did, did you say, that's I said, a great
3: look? I said, that's such a beautiful dress. <laughs>
2: <laughs> when you're in it, like, a taxi and you feel uncomfortable <laughs> and you're like, well, I'm just going to be quiet because you've got my life in your hands. <laughs> Hair, is also a matter yeah. of life and death.
3: Yeah, I, even more so sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Of the representatives, I think I remember you tweeting something along the lines of there were very few people of colour nominated. Um, Is that right? So
3: I was the only person of colour. How did that Um,
0: feel (laughs) about um, as good as the hairdresser? That
3: was was really strange. Um, So there's four categories, so Australian, local hero, senior and young and that's sixteen people, mm. and I was the only person of color in that cohort. <laughs> so it kind of felt a little bit like I was in Get Out
2: mm. in the fancy house with the canopy. Yeah,
3: yeah. It was it was really mm. odd.
2: So but you
0: internally were you silently screaming the entire time? <laughs> I was
3: just like, this has not been made for me. Mm, like wow. this is a structure. I mean, I'm sitting in this building, which is on stolen lands, never seated. I'm the, also the only person of colour, which makes it so wrong. like that. Mm. Yeah.
2: It says That's, a lot about, you know, how colonial the, the institution and the ideas of merit yeah, in Australia are. For
3: sure. I mean... That said, a few years ago, Adam Goods won Australian of the Year. Ooh.
2: He's had a really easy go of things, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He's never faced any backlash God. due to his race. Yeah. Mm. But like,
3: so there's room, there's space for people of colour. I just don't think there was space this year. And I wonder if that speaks to kind of what's happening at the moment. Mm. I think it's so
2: amazing that you were there and you looked... Amazing. <laughs> Which try. is equally as important as all your achievements. <laughs> thanks, thanks. This is a feminist the, podcast. <laughs> the man in the kimono. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. kind sir. Yes.
0: It doesn't feel like a little bit – there is a little bit of pressure on you. Thanks, Holly. No, I'm joking. Yeah, I know, right?
3: <laughs> I think it's complicated because with being a person of colour, there's something – it's called Rep Sweats. Rep Sweats is like representation sweats. So you see one person of color on the screen in a sea of white people and everything needs, they need to do and be everything <laughs> because they are the one person. They can't just be themselves. They can't just fail like a normal person. And. I will own my failures always, but I do feel like quite stressed often if I have a chance at something like that and don't go on to win or be something. That's so heavy.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, that ties in, I think, probably with liminal and – creating a space where you see all these multiplicities of identities and multiplicities of Asian Australian experiences can we talk a bit about Liminal your baby your boyfriend my boyfriend (laughs) your boyfriend and your baby (laughs)
3: Liminal is a platform for the interrogation, exploration, and celebration of the Asian-Australian experience.
2: That's the elevator pitch.
3: Yeah, it's a one-liner. I should change it at some point. No,
2: it's beautiful.
3: But it came out of my master's thesis. So I did my master's in London, and I just done my like honors thesis on david foster wallace Mm. (laughs) because internalized racism (laughs) and he's amazing well like i'll give him that but i hadn't kind of tapped into what asian australian representation would look like or even thought about studying a writer of color because Mm. it wasn't just something you did even in what 2014 Um, So I went to London and I decided to do my master's and the entire faculty is white Mm. and the entire faculty is male except for like two women yeah, (laughs) for the master's program, at least at UCL. And I started getting more and more angry.
2: Yes. And were you saying that in like the texts that you were studying as well? Yeah. So we
3: studied... I think we did 20 authors over 20 weeks and the only person of colour in that course was Toni Morrison. I knew you were going to say Toni yeah. Morrison. <laughs> yeah. And also like 30 minutes in another course on Tao Lin, which is it's like a whole Ooh, other yeah. kettle of fish. So there was this moment where I was kind of like this very... Asian body within this white institution and I kept visiting all of these buildings, kind of like the Governor's House, so like mm. the National Portrait Gallery and just kind of looking up at these portraits and being like, that person would have wanted me dead, that person would have wanted me dead. All these people don't actually believe that a mixed race person should have existed. They wouldn't have considered me someone who should be in that institution mm. at all. And so I was feeling more and more uncomfortable about my body and space and like what it meant to be this body so I wrote this thesis kind of about the Chinese American body in American space and looked at poetry and the some of the first poems in Chinese America like the canon of that were carved by hand into prison walls mm. which is insane mm. <laughs> so I looked at that and I thought that was really interesting and I came home and I was like okay where's my community and I started talking to people and just kind of... In kept, Australia. Yeah, yeah, in Melbourne. Met up with Lee Lai, who's this amazing comics artist who's also mixed race. And we had this really long, sprawling conversation and I asked them if we could record it and transcribed it and mm-hmm. kind of was like, we should share this. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm. why wouldn't... That's the first And that was interview. the first liminal interview. Yeah. And then I also talked to James J. Robinson, who's this phenomenal photographer who is now working in New York, I think, he shot Rihanna the other. Like, wow. I think if, like probably last
2: year. Mm-hmm. I was very. <laughs> I, know. I know. We're like three degrees of separation from Rihanna I right know. now.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> so this is the Rihanna episode. Yep. <laughs> Welcome.
3: <laughs> She's not in the studio. Surprise guest. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> This is your life. (laughs) I would be, I would be a support for Rihanna. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) sing. But yeah, so we started doing that and took some photos and then it kind of just started happening.
2: When you did that first interview, were you thinking, I want to create a publication? Like this is the start of an ongoing
3: Yeah, I was like, let's do like maybe 20 of these Mm -hmm. and then it will end and I'll go on with my life but this is a nice 20s still quite a lot to be like (laughs) just a little just you know a
2: tiny 20 interviews or so i feel like
3: 20 is so many yeah no i don't know I think when you're in academia, if you put as much
0: like energy that you're putting into that into anything else, mm. <laughs> yeah. It's really true. But at the same time, I think I also saw you put something on Instagram recently about burnout. Didn't expect a laugh. Unless, oh no, there's tears as well. People, oh, no, there's just, not. Really. I was going to laugh while you cry. You. No, because when you said just that thing then about it, during academia, you've got all this energy you mm. put it into something. I feel like I did have that when I was at university and now I'm a bit older and I've been out for a while I don't I just don't have that energy anymore I don't know maybe I'm just like you don't
3: recover from a big night yeah yeah. oh my god that's a whole other story (laughs) but But, is it like mentally not being able to bounce back either
0: yeah yeah so you were recently suffering a little bit of burnout do you think oh yeah for sure because is sorry I didn't mean to cut you off but is liminal also just you
3: yeah so liminal is just me at the moment and I work with I mean, it's weird to say Liminal is just me. Mm. <laughs> liminal is a lot of people.
2: <laughs> well, you um, like the yeah. pe- team page on the website. But are
0: you monogamous with your baby boyfriend?
2: <laughs> is what I'm asking. We have
3: this I have a really amazing design director, Mike, who's who pulls a lot of things together um,
2: and keeps me on my toes. Cuz it looks like you have a bunch of different people who yeah. maybe started out being interviewed and then go on to interview other people and maybe you could tell us a little bit about why you have lots of different interviewers. Whether that kind of it allows you to explore a multiplicity of voices, and also whether it's just a practical measure in terms of your you're, time and your capacity. You're
3: answering my questions, right? Oh, <laughs> it's called a leading question. <laughs> yeah. Would you just agree with that? Is that a yes? <laughs> yes. Okay, she's nodding. Next yeah. question. <laughs> So, Liminal started out with me and also Lynn Nguyen doing a bunch of the interviews. But I think the concept is like behind Liminal has always been to showcase the multiplicity of Asian Australian identity. And I think if you have the same interviewer, you're kind of failing on that front. Mm. So, when we received the Creative Victoria grant, I got really excited because it meant we could pay people to interview. So I asked a bunch of people who we had already interviewed, so kind of creating this beautiful network of, you've been on it, now you have this chance to pick someone who you think you want to see their work in the world. So choosing people and also pairing people has been so fun. I love curating little interviews between people. So getting poets to interview poets, writers to interview writers, always like musicians to interview musicians, because I feel like they really have like Mm. quite a specific language around music that I don't have, and I couldn't possibly give to that. So I think... Making sure that people get a byline, but also that it's like the best possible thing it
2: can be. And I feel like that really comes through in the interviews—that feeling of the, an intimacy or an understanding between the interviewer and the subject, that there's shared ground there. It's so
3: fun to pair people who know each other really well because it makes for a really intimate interview. That's been really fun.
0: How did you get into portraiture? Like, how how did this become a thing for you?
3: I don't no, at the moment it feels like it's kind of just an extension of myself. It's really hard to explain. People often ask me if I can help them with their new film camera and I'm like, I, I can, I can try. It's kind of like, like, do you remember when your parents first tried to teach you how to drive and they had to just kind of pause, figure out how to explain it? Because mm. it's just become so ingrained as this like...
2: Extension of your body. To I me,
3: mean, photography is a very physical thing. Um, it just becomes another... Way to engage with the world, I guess. I started doing it. I don't know. as every like teenage girl decides she wants to express herself? Mm-hmm. I started, <laughs> but like before smartphones, so yeah. How
2: well, are you gonna get those uh, moody effects? I know.
3: I know. I'm just <laughs> using analog really, film. I missed out. <laughs> yeah, so I used I used my mother's camera, which is really nice from the '70s, and then also a. Hasselblad 500C, which is a medium format camera that I think they actually took it to the moon. Your so camera, like, <laughs> yeah, your actual camera. That's amazing. My specific camera. <laughs> it's
0: it's met Rihanna <laughs> and it's been to the moon. Oh my
3: god! <laughs> I'm just, I'm just a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it was made in 1957, so I think they took the photos on the moon with a Hasselblad. Which is
2: really weird. That's amazing. That's
0: incredible. cool. <laughs> yeah. You did say just then that photography is very physical to you. What You recently took our photos, <laughs> which I did want to talk about mm. as like more of a behind the scenes discussion. And I did want to communicate with you my experience of that because I felt very uncomfortable, which you were made very aware of that through my awkward face expression, just my face, and also the fact that I'd be like, I don't know how to do food, I can't face. Like what, do I, like, what do I do? How do I do it? But you made us feel very comfortable. Mm. So I was wondering whether you approach it kind of similarly to maybe how Ronnie and I approach interviews or how you've approached interviews before. It's like you kind of make someone feel comfortable and you, like, tease certain things out of them and you kind of read them a little bit. Have you thought about that side of things at all? That's interesting.
3: I I think of it more instead of as capturing someone – Kind of as being in dialogue with them. So I don't ever want anyone to be uncomfortable.
0: That wasn't against you? Oh, no, no. Yeah. no, 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 no <laughs> so that's just, just how I wake <laughs> up in the morning and go to bed every night.
3: No, I just like... I
0: wake up like this, et cetera.
3: It's more like <laughs> I've had really weird photography experiences <laughs> where people put you in weird mm-hmm. spots or like pose like, you in a way that doesn't feel natural. Pose you in a natural. specific way. And like I'm a kind pix- of, pixie photos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a Santa photos. No, I'm... I'm just interested in, like, capturing people as they are. Mm. And I think that's generally...
2: <laughs> you want to look hot.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm just, like, I feel like when you are just the way you are, you are, the mo- like, the best you can be. Mm. And when you're trying to be something else, it just always, like, the photo's always just a bit off. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of the photos I take or try to take often slightly candid or I do two in a row so that the second one is usually the better one because someone will, like smile and then the next photo they'll like have relaxed Mm. a little
2: bit yeah I feel that like my experience of you taking our photos was so positive and it was so (laughs) warm and natural and often for me that was because I felt like you were interested in how I wanted to look and you kept showing us what you were taking throughout the process and saying like I think you look really good in that one and I was like oh I agree like we're on the same page which is really nice because often I think you know what a photographer thinks is artistic and what a subject thinks is flattering can be at cross purposes and I feel like you merged those two together which made it a really beautiful experience and we're so proud of our new headshot oh,
3: this, this, this. We look so great you in guess. the
0: Anne Getty's flower pots <laughs> So
3: beautiful, so beautiful <laughs> Overwhelming. No, that
0: was actually really fun and incredible. And it got us thinking a lot about liminal as well as the project. And obviously, it's a very deliberate choice for it to be, or I'm presuming it's a deliberate choice for it to be both a photo and portraiture project as well as the interview. Is that due to visibility and kind of cultural elements? Like what inspired the coupling of those?
3: So, I was thinking about this the other day. I think it was quite subconscious at the start. But when so I'm a huge reader and I grew up reading, and often the protagonist is white, which has kind of trained me into assuming that the protagonist is white. So when I read most things, <laughs> I I don't like actively think the person who's writing is a white person. But if you would have asked me, I would probably say that that is who I visualise. So when I would read about race, I would have to kind of shift gears and be like, oh, this piece is written by Jenny Zhang or this piece is written by Maxine Hong Kingston and they actually look like me. So when I decided I wanted to do liminal, aside from the fact I really love taking photos, I wanted to show people their insides but also like, hey, this is the person who's having the ideas. They look like this. They're incredibly articulate. They're incredibly eloquent and successful and they also look like this (laughs) so like it's a very deliberate choice to not just have one photo or to not just have a photo that they send in it's like no we're going to show people how beautiful you are and also like in the way that you want to be shown Mm. so I ask the subject often where would you like to shoot and they're like oh no no you choose I'm like no 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 (laughs) (laughs) I would like you to choose a space and they're like oh what should I wear I'm like I would like you to choose what you wear. And we're going to go to that and we're going to create some photos. And if you find a spot that you like, we'll sit you there and we'll take the photo. And it's really fun because often I'm working with creatives who are like, I have just a spot. I've really wanted a portrait here. And we'll sit and we'll take it together. And it's just like really beautiful collaboration where I, as a person of color, I don't have this orientalizing eye. And we're kind of working together to create. An image.
0: I think it was another round of that podcast. Have you listened to that at all? And Heben, one of the hosts, did a an example of how white people would be described like people of colour if they were. So, like fruit. Milky
2: yeah.
3: skin, the colour of an unpeeled onion. Un- pe- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's a or white a onion? A peeled, a peeled onion. onion. I was going to say, like, white maybe, bread. Like, a peeled lychee. And then I was like, it's too exotic. <laughs>
0: Like vanilla on white bread. (gasps) A
3: banana. (laughs) A peeled banana. (laughs) That's
0: really interesting.
3: Yeah, I I generally don't get too super angry about that stuff because I did enjoy the stuff I read as a kid. I just wish there'd been more representation.
0: And do you feel that you're actively filling that gap now with your career?
3: Ah, it's like a drop in the ocean. I'm trying. (laughs) There's a million more things to do. It's a very small thing that liminal does but it's it's a way that i can kind of say that I'm doing something more than anything.
2: You've recently been working on a collaboration between Liminal and Penciled In, um, which is a magazine of art and writing by young Asian Australians. And that seems like such a natural, beautiful fit. Could you talk a little bit about that project and how the collaboration came about?
3: Liminal and Penciled In kind of started off around the same time in 2016. And I've been a really big fan of their project because I just really love print. And earlier this year, their editor contacted me and was like, hey, what do you think about a collaboration? And I was like, yes, yes, yes. Amazing. And essentially, she gave me full artistic license to pull together people that Limel had interviewed and commissioned them, like whoever I wanted to commission them to make some art. And we would republish the interviews alongside this art for their issue four, which is amazing because I was allowed to bring on our head designer, Michael Levin, and he's just created this incredible publication so it includes also like the editor of peril mindy gill james robinson who i mentioned before omar saker poet so yeah just like this incredible lineup
2: so their contributions are a mixture of visual art yeah poetry.
3: like Aviv lars is ceramicist who makes these really cool weird digital moving i can't even explain it <laughs> but she's just made these incredible stills for us which go alongside like a comic by Rachel Ang or a poem by Maddie Griffiths and it's so refreshing to have this incredible huge lineup that we had to keep cutting back Mm. and that was a really amazing moment to be like we have so much talent here and it was so hard to figure out who the final nine would be but that should
0: be out early next year. That's so exciting. You mentioned Rachel Lang as well, and you've been working yeah. alongside them. Did you want to talk a little bit Rachel about that? Rachel is phenomenal. <laughs> and you launched Comic Sans recently?
3: Yeah, so I work with Rachel on Comic Sans, which is a small comics anthology. It will be four, and no more than four, <laughs> where we commission comic artists of colour to create whatever they want and we publish it and send it out to people so it's kind of like this personalized small very diy subscription service with art from people from our stables like Lai, who we've been working with from the very start but then also we kind of opened it up to not just asian australians people of color so Peomishi, sefta ahmed your big frog has this incredible 11 pager about what it would mean to be friends with your mama, your grandma or your great-great-grandma and it's this beautiful kind of like lineage. Yeah, I'm very excited about it.
2: And you mentioned that it's all artists of colour but that's not, you know, I've noticed that that's not explicit anywhere in the project or on the, on the actual comic.
3: I don't know. Most comic books have a majority white authors and they don't flag it so mm. why should we? The title is a bit tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> But you know it could also just be about our love for the yeah, typeface comic the sense fonts. underappreciated
2: <laughs> it is so underappreciated
3: <laughs> i personally think it's the best font in the world all of, Get all your business of my, cards done up. All my emails from Comic Sans. I, you guys didn't notice? Oh, I must business have blanked cards. that. You've got tattoos, Daniel. Yeah. Comic like, Sans. I have all this poetry by E. Cummings in Comic Sans <laughs> on my arm. Don't This is also check. audio,
0: so yeah, I was going to say there's no way for people to know <laughs> the Leah's truth. I head to toe, covered in Comic Sans
2: tat.
0: <laughs> oh my god, Gnarly. I think it's, it's the only so way to describe It's been so exciting to that. interview Comic Sans today.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And so that serialisation as a format, why? what's the um, rationale behind that? Because it's kind of unusual to do something in that way.
3: We initially just wanted to do one and then we were like, hey, <laughs> let's make this really easy on ourselves. <laughs> I like the concept of receiving something every so often in the post mm. so we ran this crowdfunding campaign it was really funny because we were like no one will want this only we will want this and we'll just make it for fifteen hundred dollars and we ended up making like over four and a half grand which was really amazing. That's
2: really amazing actually that you so what you basically made three times what you were <laughs> yeah. you were hoping for and crowdfunding yeah. is such a it's fickle. Yeah, fickle and kind of scary, you know. I guess you, you don't ever entirely know how big your support base is until you take that plunge. But you And you know that you have a lot of people around you who are really proud of you and excited for you, but you don't know that they're going to be able to yeah, contribute my, money necessarily. Like, maybe they're not
3: interested in the same things you are.
2: Yes. Or maybe um, they just don't have the money they, yeah. Yeah. they don't have the money which i yeah as an artist being surrounded by artists i really understand yeah we want to talk about that because cesarea is funded by city of melbourne and that is huge for us like it enables us to pay our guests pay ourselves kind of make a product that we're really proud of without veering into burnout and you have got all these amazing projects on the go that takes from you and Mm. how much time and labor you invest into those So you've had possible you've had creative vic funding but now when you're looking at a new project how do you think about the need to have a financial plan as opposed to just a creative plan (laughs) (laughs) or do you just go screw it I want the creative plan that's all that matters talking to the wrong person
3: (laughs) so we've been applying for funding I definitely want to stop Or, like, never revert to self-funding. I think it's complicated because there there are projects I want to see out in the world. And at the moment, I am the only person who can make those projects. So I think figuring out a way to be financially viable whilst also being able to create the things I would like to Mm. exist has been, like, a constant battle. And I mean that that's... I think that's just reality for a lot of what what am I? An artist, a millennial, creative, <laughs>
2: creative. Um slashy.
3: slashy. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just this strange reality for artists right now is
2: if there's no easy solution. There's
3: no easy solution, and it was really strange because I was I took part in this Goethe Institute, like this really amazing trip to Berlin earlier this How year. How was that? It was really amazing. It sounded
0: so incredible. It was really
3: cool. They flew 15 feminist media makers to Berlin to talk to DIY projects and projects which were a little more than DIY like How, which is this huge complex in Germany that I think it specifically focuses on dance. And we talked to all these people and I was really hoping to get an answer to mm to the question of funding and there isn't one mm. <laughs> there isn't one in this strangely capitalist society we live in so I think I'm still trying to figure it out and hopefully like you guys we can continue to be seen as valuable and like a valuable contribution to the artistic community and be funded by big mm. bodies like Creative Vic or Copyright or Osco.
0: Yeah. Or city of Melbourne. Thank or you, city, city of Melbourne. Melbourne. <laughs> Thank you. It's interesting that you use like the word value and worth because I know it's an inherently capitalist thing but I struggle with the idea of the fact that I am in my 30s. I am not financially sound whatsoever. In fact I am pretty significantly in debt because of my life choices right. So my concept of self-worth is very heavily tied up in that and I know politically that's not how I view the world but mm. I kind of can't help it because it's so
2: ingrained. Like you wouldn't apply that to someone else but you're harsh on yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's that thing of you saying I want to make this work. I know no one else out there can do it, mm. but financially it might be a bit difficult. Does your belief in what you need to do and yourself kind of outweigh that? I guess I that's a hard. That's,
3: I think that's when that point tipping point is when burnout happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you don't know my life, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the problem. I'm a I'm a very utop. My parents are very utopian, and I'm a very utopian child. And I just <laughs> I just work very very hard to do the things that I want to do but I think at the moment I am experiencing burnout which is really new mm. or not new I'm experiencing severe burnout which is new <laughs> that's interesting and it's odd and I mean the only answer I did a really cute Instagram like how I loved that so are much what am I doing and all of these people but also replied, don't don't say it's really cute
0: and like <laughs> put that voice on because I think I read that and was like I feel that I feel that and I think that's really important. People can use social media when they're not feeling great to bad ends, but they can also use it for really positive ways and I think that really was like well, helpful for some people. I'm
3: really interested in destigmatizing mental health in a way that doesn't directly impact the way people see me, but also, like, whatever. And, mm-hmm. like, I was like, okay, I'm burnt out. Surely there are, like, five of my friends are probably also feeling the same thing. Surely there are so many other people who are doing this. So I was like, uh oh, let's be public about this and, like, ask people questions. And most of the answers, try to say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. go take some time out. Is there anything you can cancel? Yeah. Make a list. Yeah. Oh, well, I've got several. Yeah, I've got lists about lists. <laughs> lists about lists, and it's it's interesting and it's weird. And we all know the answer to what like to burn out, <laughs> that is to stop doing the thing that makes you burnt out. But when it comes down to stuff that is so insanely personal, I think there's an added layer—a
2: feeling of obligation to yourself as well. As to myself, to, to, to my community, employer or whatever it might be. Yeah. We're going to ask you for your shout-out.
1: Sisteria shout-out.
0: Which is when you let us know and the listeners know something that they should read or look at or a meme they should (laughs) find.
3: Uh, I'm really into CoStar, the astrology app. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't know about this. actually what re- can you to. <laughs> no, I'm bringing to- out my books.
2: <laughs> but also, like. Leah's know- the most cutest angel in the world because she's brought along with her some visual aids for this highly audio um, <laughs> broadcast that we record. She's brought her, her recommends with her to show us. Which but is I also beautiful. do want to know about this. App, <laughs> um, you just you have to put in all
3: of like when you were born and and where and it, you know it tells you like your rising and your you know what moon or whatever. Cool, and what, you can also match with people. Oh, okay, that's and just figure out what your compatibility is. Oh my god. <laughs> So what was it called? Coaster. Coaster? I, I don't get know it. who it's made by, so I don't know if it's any, like female or non binary people. I'm sure but, there um, are some
2: involved. It's an astrology act. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: feel like it's all. <laughs> yeah. So I have So Many Olympic Exertions by Annalise Chen and it's an autofiction by someone who's just struggling to finish their PhD. Oh my god. I know so many people <laughs> who I'm would even like, like I'm not recommending it to anyone I know because yeah. they're all struggling to finish their PhD. But is that their
0: PhD that they eventually finish? Cuz um, that would be like a an inspirational
3: so meta. No, it's why I really like it is she's writing her PhD on sport, so there are all these anecdotes kind of about sport throughout. Sport?
0: Th- Sorry, I thought you said spot, like the uh, dog. No, no, like- that's
3: definitely <laughs> like- not. That's <laughs> hard. No,
0: going going deep <laughs> on this like
3: kids book. Um, yeah, so it's this weird autofiction about sport by an Asian American author.
2: It's um a beautiful edition i'm gonna say since you brought it in i'm gonna comment beautiful. on the looks yeah it's stunning i, I, I um, presume that's a small press so many yes, Olympic Olympic Press.
3: and then there's this matching book which is axiomatic by maria tamarkin which L- is similarly yeah. gray and it is phenomenal sure it is <laughs> it's just i i actually have to put it down like essentially every story i read and just leave it for a week and then keep going. So it means I actually haven't finished it yet, and I'm recommending it already.
2: Yeah, we love is, Maria.
3: She's amazing.
0: I do love
1: Maria? <gasps> I <gasps> somehow
0: get... read that in one what? sitting. I know everyone's, mm. and I was deeply affected, and I couldn't really speak. Yeah. Afterwards, <laughs> very much. I was just Heavy. like, I'm just gonna be on my own and watch some really housewives. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's just Maria's just She's incredible. A love it's just, that woman.
3: Just... If I could sing, I would sing that song from West Side Story, Maria.
0: Oh, yeah. How does it go? I'm not singing. I'm pretty sure it just goes like,
2: <laughs> Maria. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that,
2: was, was, that was running. Oh, that was oh, running oh, everyone.
3: Throw me into That I was definitely was, Definitely, definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, <laughs> I'm plowing on. I, someone has to. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> <laughs> I just really want to tell you about my books. you. No, My final book is a graphic novel by the Tamakis, so Mariko and Jillian, who are cousins, I think, and it's beautiful, and it's called Skim, and you should all read it. But, yeah, again, it's very visual. It's,
2: yeah, it's very good. They're all very sad books. I I brought in very sad books. Yeah, but it's nice to, like... (laughs) Have your heart broken sometimes yeah. Through cathartic, cathartic fictional Did you say cathartic? Cathartic <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: We hope that you feel less burnt out And continue to shine brightly As you keep going You're the, um,
2: the Australian I think in our hearts <laughs> Yeah Oh gosh <laughs> oh, <my God.
1: laughs> Thanks so much for coming here Thanks Thanks Cisterna. for joining us Leah <laughs> Cysteria created by women and for anyone who wants to listen. Sisteria is supported by City of Melbourne in partnership with the Melbourne Library Service. Sisteria is produced by Stephanie Van Schilt and me, Jessica Lucchiano. For links to everything we've discussed, check out our website, systeriapodcast.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, at Cisteria Pod. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and if you love what we do, we'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes too. Our amazing theme music is by Rainbow Chan. The song is called Last and is available on her latest album, Spacings. Sisteria is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and to the elders of the lands this podcast reaches. We hope you tune in again soon.